Friends, I hope this podcast finds you well. I know for a lot of us, there is a bit of nervousness. There's a little bit of anxiety. But I hope that for you and for us, as we explore together some themes related to these times, that we will be able to find peace amid panic. And that we will be able to bring love and dancing and calm, even as we are soberly confronting the world that we face these days. Stacy recently has received training in end-of-life guidance. She is a certified death doula, and she has done this through the University of Vermont with the Larner College of Medicine, and I wanted her to be able to give me a little bit of insight, because after we had settled things down with the college, uh, making sure we had things in place for students, making thing, making sure we had things in place for our own house, you know, some basic grocery needs and and for folks that are our friends and family. I realized that after that was all done, I sat down on the couch and I realized I myself was a little bit nervous. (laughs) I felt a little bit of anxiety as I realized I'm supposed to be the dad. (laughs) And so I'm not just the person who is uh, taking care of others, but I was worried, you know, what, what do we make of the confrontation we have with our vulnerability, our fragility in this life. That's what I'm going to talk with Stacy about, and I'm going to let her really carry this conversation because of some of the things she's been exploring over the last several months. We'll explain how she got into it and what this might say for us today. Let's go. Come along for the ride. Stacy, for the end of time, it seems for some people, it was a pretty day outside. The the rain had kind of cleansed things. The birds were chirping. It's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. We heard all kinds of birds outside when we were walking earlier. And there's a lot less people outside right yes. now. Yes. Sometimes that can be eerie. In this case, because of all the life that was abounding and the little lizards running about, not afraid of all the people. Mm-hmm. And it's there was spring, yep. and so there's flowers that are blooming. And I think that that, that yeah, that just offers a sense of, of, of peace. And, and we had a really good, nice walk. That was great. And we wanted to talk with you, dear listener, about peace amidst panic. And we're not saying the word panic so that you panic if you weren't <laughs> thinking of it. But for some people, you know, they're, they're there's struggling. There's a lot going you know. on. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of turmoil. In fact, even just, you know, when we're, we're going about sometimes just trying to get basic things, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just need a little basic toilet paper or something. And it's, you know, you have to sometimes go to three different stores around here where we are to get it. And I think that energy that sometimes we've come back with, or at least that we're gone as much as what we are, has even sort of, you know, floated down into our dog, Bendy. And yeah, there's both an un- animals in a way. Yeah, there's an unsettling, you know, that they're a little unsettled. They know that there's um, this a little bit of an anxiety in the air in general, I think, with people. And, and our family has been extraordinarily placid. <laughs> you know, we've been in a really decent space in that, to be fair... We think about this stuff all the time. Yeah. So we picked up a little piece of land in, in San Diego precisely for just that kind of security to say, what happens when all the other structures of society aren't working? Can we be minimalistic? Can we have a little bit of flowing water, a place to grow a little bit of food, so that we're not relying on the system? 
And so we think about this stuff all the time. We spent nine months yeah, on, the road. on the road trying to see if we could live with less. And so for us, we, we might be in a better space, not because we're better people or more courageous, but we've been kind of thinking through the implications of difficult times, mm-hmm. not as preppers, but as kind of followers of Jesus and Lao Tzu, saying that there's these other structures of thing that, that we rely on, whether it's empire or institutional religion or, or war. Well, and I think with your personality type, too, you enjoy planning. I do. And so, and it, there is a, a settling, there's a comfort that comes with being able, you know, to feel that you have planned, that you know what to expect, whether or not you have all the pieces in place, but that you know where you're going. You have, yeah. you know, you have some direction. I think I'm, I'm lucky in this one regard that I live almost every day fighting severe anxiety with an inner core of deep peace. That's kind of, mm-hmm. I think my friend John Liu is a psychology prof. He said, you know, you've got this outer manicness. Mm-hmm. I, I've got this exterior madness, but an internal grounding. Mm-hmm. But my body feels that exterior madness mm-hmm. and my inner sense. I mean, I don't know how to, to separate these things out, but there are other people that might on the outside be very calm, but inside might be a little nervous. Right. And, and part of it is, I think, as, as we look at this, for me, the reason I felt a little bit of euphoria as people started to take seriously some of the things we're confronting, I was a little guilty. I felt a little guilty that I felt a little bit of euphoria. But the euphoria I felt was, I felt like I wasn't alone. Hmm. That is, I'm always nervous, like, what happens when all of these things, religion, society, the police force, the military, and all this... When our our systems possibly fail us. Yeah, or even if they don't fail us, when they're taxed. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do as a dad. And so when... So when everybody else is on the same page, I feel like I can take a 15-minute rest and watch a little bit of uh, binge TV <laughs> because now I realize... Everybody I'm, else is doing the worrying for you. <laughs> right, right. I Somebody's paying right, attention. Right. And in that sense, I realize that in many ways, especially studying history, you know, comparatively, we're fine. At the individual level, a lot of things are going to be difficult for folks depending on where you are and what your industry is. But, you know, I, I've studied these periods where people are worried about Viking invasions, bombs falling mm-hmm. as you're writing a novel or you're preparing a roast mm-hmm. or, or whatever. I mean, people, human beings have dealt with challenges. And because I study the past, sometimes that, that causes me to live in that past where I realize that we've got it pretty easy. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of things going for us that even when things are difficult, you know, we'll be all right. One of the things that happened the other day was Augie and I, you know, my oldest son is in his senior year, and we had this really kind of fun opportunity where he was going to be in a couple of my classes, a couple of signature classes, the, the first being Renaissance and Reformation, that's kind of my expertise, and then my second class where I talk about the uh, ethics, right? And, and that's cute, because you guys... You start and end your yes. Tuesday Thursdays together. Oh, we did until last week. <laughs> right. <laughs> and but but uh, Augie's final day of actual class was this week, and at first that felt great for him. You know, we had all the stress, and we needed we were sleep deprived. He's working really hard, mm-hmm. trying to make ends meet himself, and so we we realized at first this euphoria of oh good we don't have to you know get up 
at seven thirty, we can still do a lot of work, but get a little breathing room. And then we realized that was it. This was the semester where we were going to be in these classes together, exploring ethics and exploring Renaissance and Reformation. And now at three o'clock one afternoon, the kids wouldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't talk to them about Charlemagne. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> they were thinking about something else. Actually, I was talking about Hieronymus Bosch mm. and the plague, to be honest. And, and, and it was apropos as it turns out. But then Augie and I realized we had an opportunity and we raced over to UCI. UCI, University of California, Irvine, had closed down a lot of what it was doing, but they still had for the rest of the week an opportunity to exercise our uh, ability to get into special archives. And we went in, and some of you know that we, we purchased a small piece of property that was part of a larger homestead of this guy, Levi P. Stone, who was a honey farmer, an English guy, English teacher, who then sold after a massacre, after there was a gunfight on his property, sold his property to a really fantastic guy named Isaac Frazzi. And we were looking into where we could find his papers and his diaries. We wanted, we were hoping to find them down in in San Diego County. And at three o'clock, we were sitting there, Augie and I, realizing that we had two hours before they might close down the archives where they actually were, and that was 15 minutes from our house at UCI. UCI. Just the, the nearest place it could possibly be. That was a research university. And I went in there, and we'll talk more about what I found, but I found all sorts of cool things. Pictures of the property before civilization hit, some Native American pageants that they put on, some uh, petroglyphs from uh, the local Indians that were mm-hmm. there. And, and we realized there was all this beauty and abundance that we just didn't have time to pay attention to on the property. In fact, we hadn't really spent a lot of time with the property because we had been busy doing other things. To make a long story short, we get there and we, under, uh, we, we just go right in and they say, there's a sign that says, no, you know, we, we can't have any more people. But I just kind of popped my head in and I said, do you mind if I take some photographs of at least one manuscript? And it's called Evolove. It's like Evolve, but E-V-O-Love. Evolove. This is a guy who writes this in the 1920s. He's a guy who is an artist and a landscape painter in the late 19th century. Isaac Frazee will post some things on it. But one of the things that really hit me as I was looking at this, he's got all sorts of wonderful things that I found, but he has this poem. I want to read it for you. One loitering at death's door did whisper me this much of that dark inner mystery. Listen, brother, death is a crucible. Life, the golden opportunity. Death is the crucible. Life, the golden opportunity. I realized as I'm desperately trying to hoard not toilet paper or medicine, but these last fragments of handwritten poetry and manuscripts, it really hit me that not only was this what I should be thinking about during this time when, you know, we're going to be spending more time at home, but also that this is exactly what you've been training for. And this is something that you're, you're passionate about. And yet this is something that I needed. Mm -hmm. I needed this. And I figure if I need it and I pretend sometimes to be, you know, somebody who's got under under control, maybe you can help me. And by helping me, the dear listener might, you know, get a few pointers. So would you tell me, how did you get into this idea of, of being a death doula and what on earth is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we were driving across the country, 
I we had stopped at the farm in Tennessee. We did an episode on that, and it was there that they have the with Ida Mae Gaskin. Um, she has created this midwifery program there and is known for her work and has um, a book uh, that you can get on Amazon if you're interested. Spiritual midwifery. So right. it's this accepting this natural process of birth. Mm-hmm. And so it was there that when we were doing a, a tour that one of the members had said that they have a real need for death doulas. So basically people that are, I'm going to come alongside those that are in the final stages of their life. And I think with, so it was, it was this, it was also that, and I heard about the position for the first time that there is people that do this, but then there was also an interesting experiment that you did with one of your classes that you basically told your, your class, we were sitting there one night and you said, it was a Friday. You said, I told the class today that I want them to drop all notions of an afterlife or heaven or anything about an afterlife, right? And, and just live their life this weekend as if all of that was gone. And don't worry, Monday, you can have it all back. <laughs> but just, you know, just go through this experiment with me. And I mentally went through that experiment and it took me just a second to like, all of a sudden I realized, well, wait a minute, get rid of heaven? Like, and I realized I, I feared death. That I feared, what, what if there was no heaven? What, what would that be like? What does that mean for my life now? And it was really going through that process that I realized, one, my fear of death. So then I went on this exploration of, you know, okay, why am I afraid of death? And what about it am I afraid of? And went through this whole thing. And then when I heard about the the death doula opportunity one was at that point I was starting to feel more confident even, you know, with my own, you know, facing my own fears of death, but also going through the program was extremely helpful. Training for the death doula work. Right. That, that you do confront your own mortality and the mortality of your loved ones that I, I now honestly can say that I am totally at peace with death. And, I don't think that everybody can feels that way. And I, I realized that when... Most of our lives, we didn't feel that way. Right. And when you do fear death, you aren't fully living. There's ways that it's going to impact your life. Whether yeah. you realize it or not, it's still going to have some sort of impact on you. And if you... The only way, really, to get past that is to confront those fears. Mm. And so a death doula is somebody... That there's there's two things about it. One is the actual end of life process, and that the a person, a death doula or an end of life doula, will come along during that portion of somebody's life, and they are a non medical, non judgmental presence that offers emotional and spiritual, um, and even sometimes minimal like physical comfort measures, things like that that can help offer support. And um, for the loved ones, the caregivers as well, as the person also is dying. But there's numerous things you can help work through, like um, just kind of even helping them through their meaning of their life and some legacy issues, some Mm. legacy projects and things. Um, And and their death doulas are companions. They come alongside others so that they can help bring a a presence and a peace to this whole process because it is a process and the goal is isn't about 
dying. It's actually about coming to terms with your life and living so that you can have peace and die well. And there's, so there's all sorts of aspects that do go into it. But I think also what I want to do as a death doula isn't only just end of life. Because there's, I want to help people to confront their fears now so right. that whatever time they do have left, you know, we all, unfortunately, we all are going to die at some point. Right. That's why I was saying that you can be very it's an, viable. It's yeah. inevitable. Um, right. And it, you know, sometimes we might die in a, an accident, you know, and it's completely unexpected. And, and what does that do, you know, to your loved ones? The more that you're prepared for your own death and that you've left, you know, things for your loved ones to follow your wishes and things like that from what happens after you die, the way, it's way more easier on the family to determine, you know, what kind of, what even, what kind of service do you want? Um, you know, what about medical issues? Do you have your advanced directives and things like this? There's a lot of technical stuff, but right. the point is, is that do you feel at peace with dying? And if not, I want to help people get there. Yeah. This is, this is really important because that exercise that I gave to the students wasn't there to tell them that they didn't have any hope for the afterlife. It was for them to experience the release from postponing the confrontation with their ultimate sense of self and meaning and, and what, what their life is. Mm-hmm. And so often, the, sometimes talk about the afterlife in religious communities allows us to bypass the question of who we are now and what matters now. I'll figure it out later. Right. Right? And it, this isn't something, we're not saying you should you should worry about this. It's to say that you can embrace these moments now. And I don't know about all the students, but I think it was a pretty powerful experiment because, and when we get, get it back, we say, you know, it, let's say you have, and, and this is, you know, you want us to argue for you, dear listener, why we believe this. That's a different time, different conversation. But I think Stacy and I both can say that we don't trust that everybody doesn't fear death. We, 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 right. we, a lot of people fear death. And for most of our lives, 99% of our lives, up until very recently, we really have not been content facing mortality. Well, and even, I mean, I, I see it on the faces of people in the stores when I've you know, had to go mm-hmm. and get some, some basic things and stuff. Like, people are kind of going into a panic mode. Yeah. And there's a lot of anxiety. There's, yeah. a, lot of, there's a lot of fear of the unknown. Yeah. And it's it's when I I mean I, the fear of death is is a is a big portion of it. I know it's not all of it, but it's it's I don't know there's there's even there's even a death of of sort of the status quo that yeah. that something like this could infiltrate your family mm-hmm. um without like that you know that could have a big you know, effect on... It just changes... Your, it's, it, it, like, it's dying to a lot of these old things that we held dear. Right. And, yeah. and I think that when... I mean, a lot of times when people are afraid of change, when they are afraid of the unknown, when they are... You know, then it, it does sort of cause people to act in, you know, in that, that, that panic rather than, than a purposeful way, mm. rather than, you know, than, than planning with a purpose, right? Uh, For me, though, I found interesting that despite all of our anxieties as a family and the things that, that cause us to be stressed or whatever, by and large, we 
kind of entered into the possibility of things being kind of closed down in society for a while with an opportunity or a sense of opportunity because we, I think, as a family, for that, that one piece, as we've been processing this over the last couple of years, dealing with mortality, that that one piece was, was removed in a way, that fear piece. We might be wimps. We might not be courageous. We might not be the toughest guys and gals in a bar fight. But, but having a certain underlying piece allowed us to really enter into it by, you know, watching a movie, playing a little bit of a board game as we all realize that, you know, we might need to, to hunker down for a while. And, and that's not, again, that's not a, that's not a, a, way of, a way of bragging. It's to say, I'm not even sure myself why we were able to get to that spot and what can we, how can we put into words for the listeners the ways in which we can find this contentment in the midst of uncertainty, yeah, well, and I think I think for me, I think one piece of advice I would offer is if you notice that you you do have anxiety or fears, make a list, what are they? Write them down, acknowledge them, don't try to run away from them, actually you know figure out what it is that you are what are you fearful of what are you what, you know what is causing you this you know this uneasiness and when you can write that down one you can see which which things can I do something about so that it's not always you know feeling like it's unsettled maybe you could help you know draw some conclusions to things so like we knew we needed some things around the house so we went and got those and when we felt like okay we have we have some stuff that we can make do even if the stores run out of um, you know ingredients and things like that we can feed the family right so that that worry went away for us, you know, once we were able to complete that to-do item. You know, like, <laughs> you know, one of the things, like, even just our camper truck, the battery, like, sometimes has been a little finicky with the connection, and so sometimes it won't start or not. So we're like, okay, you know, always, why always worry about whether the truck may or may not start up? Let's just get a battery. There are items that you could sort of create a to-do list on and not... and and complete so they're not nagging at you and causing some of this other worry. The other thing is, is, you know, is, you know, when you're confronting your fears, it gives you a sort of perspective. And you also have to ask yourself, like, is this a rational fear? Um, Or is this something that I'm just feeding off of, say, energy of other people? Or is there anything I can do about it? And if there's nothing that can be done, then just, Maybe let it sit there on the paper, yeah. but if you can possibly let it go, then you that's your first step to trying to find peace. But there are ways that you can get there, I think, that will help you to start to let it go if you use a few techniques. Well, complacency isn't the answer, but coming to terms with reality is really precisely what, from the outside, I'm gathering is what spiritual midwifery is about some somebody well, was talking yeah, about this, I, that birth process yeah and when you're when you're giving birth you aren't in control but your body does know what to do and the more that you try to control or you tense up or you're fighting against what is natural what is going to happen it it does like when you're you're it does in make it more painful for your body because you're tensing up. You know, you hear about like the accident, when people get in car accidents and if they were a little more relaxed, right, they were less hurt. You know, more that somebody tenses and clenches up, um, it seems that our bodies, you know, get 
more sprains and hurts and you yeah. know this isn't broken just, limbs. Yeah. Um, this isn't just in the era of cars. There are stories of drunk people on mules in the you know late Middle Ages that that right. found themselves doing all right just because they were flopping around. <laughs> well, and, and even think about like when they say if you're going to like take a fall and if you find a way to roll with it rather yeah. than like putting an arm down or something or a wrist right. to break the fall, then that ends up breaking the wrist or whatever. But when you're able to roll with something, your body just sort of responds and goes with it a little easier. One of the, one of the things too that I think is important is, is the, the idea that you know fear does kill creativity. It interferes. You mentioned how it interferes with your planning, right? And it clouds right. your vision. I was just recently working through chapter 10 of the Tao Te Ching. And this first part really struck me as something helpful for our times right now. And it says, can you balance your mind and body and grasp the unity of everything? Can you soften your breath and become like a sleeping baby? Can you rinse from your eyes, whatever is clouding your vision. And I, I think it's, this right here is like one of those times where if we can find a way to center ourselves, if we can find um, calm in the midst of chaos, yeah. that, that we will, it, it'll be easier to get through it, that we, our minds will be less cloudy. You know, it's easier to figure out what, what your right, what, what the best way to act is. Mm-hmm. And some things that I have learned that help quiet my mind, and I know we've talked a little bit about some of this stuff, but one is meditation. And maybe, again, if meditation is like is foreign to you, and if, if it's possible even, an exercise I did recently was I found a labyrinth. A prayer labyrinth, a, yeah. a walking labyrinth. Yeah, and we have, I have a, I can give you on our show notes access to a, a labyrinth finder. So if you want to look up in your area where you can find a nearby labyrinth, if you want to possibly do this. Um, but I found it as a great time for me to just walk through and quiet my mind. And, you know, it, it had, I had something that was bothering me at the time. So I was processing through that and just walking through the labyrinth. And what's great about that process is that Sometimes you're going to come close to the center, which is kind of where, where your goal is, right? And then it's going to lead you all throughout. Sometimes you're going to get really far from the center. And it reminds me of sort of what feels like the, the chaos of life at times getting you further. And then when you finally get to the middle point, um, you're going to get there. And all you have to do is follow the path. And then you can walk your way out of it. But you don't have to be as concerned with like the direct, you know, way that you're going to go. You're just going to, you know, follow, like let... Yeah, you're not overly analyzing it. Right. You just, it, it's not a maze. It's it, not a puzzle. And it reminds me of this quote, one of my favorite quotes right now with Ram Das that says, we're all, we're all here just walking each other home. And I mean, home, you can consider that maybe even the afterlife, but home is even, where are you centered? You know, where... The bosom of Abraham. <laughs> yeah. Like, where is it that... You can find peace, um, and how can we come alongside, you know, others? Even in this time, you know, one of the things that I've heard, and it was really alarming to me a little bit on the news. I heard somebody say, "Oh, well, don't worry about you know the virus that the coronavirus. It's only going to affect the vulnerables." You know, so yeah, as most, a category, yeah. you know, you had the deplorables, now you have the, the, <laughs> the vulnerables. vulnerables. Yeah, it was a thing. Yeah, and I, I was appalled in a way. I mean, like, okay, yes, it. I just, you know, it's like, 
even that category of almost like expendable. Right. And the vulnerables, like I, I think Jesus calls us actually to be looking out for those vulnerables, you know, that yeah. those are the people that no we, doubt <laughs> we should be helping in society. So yeah. whether or not um, that, whether or not you're in a category that will really suffer from this virus or not, I think it is important that we do gather around in our communities and see, you know, in what ways can we protect the vulnerables? We're in this together. Or even if we can't protect them, how can we be there for each other? I mean, I think this is the irony of the whole thing, that people who don't care about ultimate things and only care about progress and wealth and power and glory... Yeah. Also, accidentally find themselves in a world that doesn't care about their own selves or their own comrades once they get to be expendable. Once they get yeah. to a spot where they aren't productive. Right. The, the, in a yeah. world of transaction. Right. As soon as you're not useful, yeah. right, then you get cast aside and, and good riddance sometimes, you know, that you can be sometimes a baggage that, you know, that they don't want to have to mess with, right? And, and I think that that, to me, is so sad that when we put people as we think of them as objects and and not actual people with lives, mm-hmm. loved ones, personalities, fears, fears anxieties, cares, you know, yeah. wants, needs, <laughs> you know, all of that, and and we are in this together. And I think that that's why I like too. It says, um, "Can you balance the mind and body and grasp the unity of everything?" That's Tao Te Ching chapter. That's chapter ten. Yeah, yeah. and. You know, I think through during this time or whatever, when we see our stores running out of stuff or whatever, you know, we know that, you know, we're going to have extras of certain things and we, you know, we want to look to find a way that we can create a community page of, you know, local people that if we can help support and give what we have too much of, you Mm -hmm. know, and then if they have extras of things, they can share that with others. I mean, I think that there's enough, there's enough things <laughs> to go around, I think, that we could mutually support one another far more than what we might in America normally consider. We, you know, mm. we kind of have this more individualistic view of life that take care of your own, you know, mm. and then let others take care of themselves. Yeah, and who is our own? This contemplation about the vulnerables is really revealing about the ways in which concern for for wealth and, and, and things in this life isn't going to punish you because it's naughty and you're selfish. Mm. It's going to punish you in a natural way. You're going to have clung to things that all of a sudden within a week might not matter. Mm-hmm. What's your stock part portfolio looking like right now? Yeah, you well, know what's this trip? You know, like my sister had to cancel a wedding. Yeah. I mean, all so these what, things. Yeah, what that does we, it mean? What does it mean to be getting married? And then how much yeah. of it is the wedding? You know, I tweeted today. You know, everybody's. You know, there's a lot of people that are sad they don't get to go to church, but maybe this is an opportunity for the church to be the church. Yeah, you know, maybe we don't get to have a a, a, a wedding in a few months, right. but maybe this is a good time for us to really. Reflect on our families. Love our families. We're not sure, but Stacy and I have been talking about ways in which we might find some possible apps mm-hmm. that can help us coordinate, care for one another, and you know, find out the best way for you in your own community to do this. Yeah, do you have you know, can you pull together a network of, of people nearby that maybe could help with, you know, childcare if needed or 
you know, like again, sharing extra items and things if stuff continues to be run, you know, you start yep. to run out of it in the store. You've got rubbing alcohol, I've got <laughs> diapers, you know, whatever it is that right. we can, you know. And I don't have diapers, friends. Don't don't, don't be emailing me. I haven't had diapers in a long time. Uh, Yeah. What are some other practical ways, Stacey, that we can help people quiet their minds and and cope Mm -hmm. in times that are stressful? I think sometimes when you find yourself, especially if you're standing in a really long line or or you find yourself all of a sudden in the midst of, you know, lots of anxiety or some kind of stressful thing, that if you just take a moment and breathe, there is one... Uh, breathing technique that I use sometimes to when I'm laying down trying to fall asleep and if I feel a little worked up I you know you get comfortable and you lay there but then you take a deep breath in through your nose and then you breathe out through your mouth as deeply as you can so that you're like as if you're sewing your your belly button to the back of your spine and exhaling out of your mouth all of the air that you possibly can and then you when you can't breathe out anymore, then you take another deep breath in and and do that again with the exhale. And that helps calm your central nervous system. So sometimes just taking a second and doing those like three or four of those deep breaths can just itself just sort of be a little centering. Then you can say, okay, <laughs> now that I've calmed down my body a little bit, you know, how can I, uh, you know, practically go about you know the situation or do I should I be worried about this or not but I think another thing too if if you're not familiar with meditation there is a app called insight timer there's you know I know that not all of the meditations will necessarily be you know for you just look around there's a lot of Stacy means they won't all be up your alley if <laughs> up you came your... from a fundamentalist Christian background <laughs> right. and you'll think oh this is too foreign there are some that will be foreign but yeah. there are some that are just basic if you can't sleep at night they'll just walk you through breathing and, and sleeping and calming your mind and is this so the one it, that has stories on it yeah there's yeah. also stories you can listen to that are like almost like bedtime stories better than putting on CNN to fall asleep that's been yeah. not so good for me so yeah. there's a lot of free there's a lot of free meditations, guided meditations that you can explore and you can just put in the time limit that you're hoping to do this meditation and it'll even log your time if you want. But that's a, a possibility if you if again you just want to try meditation at home quietly and get you know and center yourself. Another thing too is you know as we're avoiding meeting in, in groups and things, there's a lot of places that are now offering online yoga and then there's always people that have posted free online yoga to do as well. We're going to look at creating our own, like a yin restore type yoga that we'll post for free for you all to, to de-stress, to de-stress and, and check out and just and we see. don't want to be too stressful as we put it together, but <laughs> it'll be one of the first things we're getting to on yes. top of taking care of online classes this week. Yeah. yeah. And if you're able to get outside again, a walk in nature, just like we were talking about when we opened the show that that just is calming when you can get outside, smell a flower, and they even do say that, you know, actually when you do sniff in the smell of a flower, that it can help change your brain a little bit, if you, especially if you feel depressed. And I enjoy, I enjoyed, you know, going through town on the motorcycle today, had to run an errand, and it was pretty quiet. Yeah. It was really beautiful, and I realized I had this kind of simultaneous love and sorrow for all of the beautiful people in this town. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I make fun of this town, Irvine, California. Yeah. Um, but we're all just people trying to make our way, aren't we? Yeah. And, and I saw moms with their kids playing tennis. Mm. And 
dudes walking their dog mm-hmm. with that quizzical look. Mm-hmm. Like, what's next? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it, like it, it's beautiful and sad and wondrous and filled with possibility. Yes. To arise from this in a new mindset. Well, and I, and I think that, you know, we get so caught up in all of our busyness and all of day-to-day life. And if, if in your, if, if for some reason your work is allowing you this chance to even maybe work from home or whatever, I know our children will be now studying online from home mm. for a little while and we'll be together more as a family. One, I think checking your own, um, energy that you're putting out is, is important yeah. for your children because this, this is a time that will, like it's one of those, you know, where were you when um, JFK was assassinated shot, yeah. or on 9-11? This is another one of those, it goes into the collective memory of everybody that was alive at this time yeah. as something significant. So you'll know, you'll remember what you were doing, you know, what's going on. And for these children, this is probably one of the most real like crises that they've yeah. ever had to, you know, face and your example to them is important and i think even your honesty and the parts that you don't know is okay too because like i I know that your mom um when you were growing up would often just go and run and turn off a tv and that little move was sometimes more unsettling for you because you're like what's so horrible she would turn off the tv if it was news right if it was news right and that left you with more unknown and yeah. more fear of the unknown than if she had just like calmly turned it off and just, you know, explained right. to you how this isn't helpful right now. And <laughs> On the flip side, if she was sitting there panicking and worrying about prepping all the time and, and dwelling on doom, that wouldn't have been good for us either. Right. It's, it's that balance that's yeah. really important. And I think you said earlier, I don't know if we fully mentioned it today on the show so far, is that... You know, sometimes you should plan, and then sometimes you realize, well, I'm not going to get any. I don't have. A, I'm not going to go get a, a surgical mask. <laughs> right. I haven't been able to see those online for a long time. Right? right. So, okay. You can sit there and beat yourself up that maybe you didn't right. order masks ahead of time. Well, whatever. Or, Here we, or maybe you are. don't care about masks. Right. You know, which right. we haven't. Really and the good news they about. say it doesn't really. That part doesn't really matter. But the, regardless, whatever those things, all those, all those. Th- what, Silly resentments whatever and, you can't and regrets. Change. Yeah. If you're just going over and over in your mind about kicking yourself for what you, you know, didn't do or could have done or would have or should have, just stop because that's not productive. <laughs> if you could at yeah. all possibly, you know, you can acknowledge it, you should acknowledge it and just say, okay, now what, you know, what, what, what have I learned from that for the future, right? <laughs> yeah. And what's better is you can call right now probably for free a family member or a friend or, or just somebody and reconcile. And share love. Yes. This is an opportunity if you have more time on your hands to, you know, look at, you know, where are you unsettled in life and, and what, what kinds of things can you do to bring more peace? And one of the things, too, is that we're going to use this as an opportunity, really, in a, in a way we're just, you know, having fun with it. And we're calling it the dance, right? To, right. to dance and to live life. But um, even coming together creatively as a family. So since Aiden now will have online learning... We're going to, and we'll be making a lot more meals at home, you know, and, and we're going to make him for sure be a part of the meal making that we do come up with because, you know, even sometimes when I'm making meals and it's like during the regular week, I'm doing it when he's at school or whatever, but he's, 
a senior in mm-hmm. high school, and he's going to be going off to he's college. He's going to need some life skills. <laughs> and so, you know, he knows how to make some basic things, but um, I think it'll be fun for him to be a part of even the creative menu planning, you know? Right. And and then one of the things that I talked with my sister about, because, you know, she's going to have her kids help with, um, you know, their meals and stuff too, is that, you know, if we just find one of our favorite ones that we did during the week and share the recipes with each other and, you know, swap recipes. Yeah. So I think you know, there's things like that that you can, if that's fun for you, then then do that, you know. But there's other things too. I don't know. I might require a little bit of money, but like Rosetta Stone, <laughs> they're offering uh, a deal, I guess, for lifetime language learning, right? For yeah. all, all of their it languages. It just came across one of my emails. I'm not sure it was real, but I mean, you know, doing some Rosetta Stone, we get the master class or some expensive ones. Yeah. There's also free education on YouTube. There's books you can get from the library. Right. So uh, do you have an unfinished, you know, creative project that you might, you know, because you're not going to go outside doing other things that you might, you know, when you're not working, find time to, to complete those projects or, you know, maybe go through a closet or something, <laughs> you know, it might be a good time to put off anything that is on that, you know, that, that list that always maybe bugs you in the back of your mind here and there. You can bring resolution to some of those things. And, you know, another thing, too, obviously, is like family game night or movie nights. That Those are fun to put together, too. I think that the important part is, again, acknowledging what your fears are, acknowledging the, the fears of your children or the your people that you serve. Uh, you know, what what are their anxieties? What are their fears? And then how can you realistically come to terms with those things and what can you you know what can you get off the list and what do you need to acknowledge and then maybe try to let go and it may not you know it might not come easily right and it right. and and if you do notice something like a nagging fear or something that keeps you know coming into your mind and you it you keep noticing it you can also try to pay attention to what triggered that is there something um that you always notice that right you know right after I don't know, Jeff talks about money, then all of a sudden my heart races, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so then what is it that about that that, that is, you know, try to get at the root of some of these things because sometimes what's going, you know, we're going to react to symptoms to a larger source of something. And if we can get to that source and address the source, it will help get at whatever other, small, you know, other things that you might be reacting in certain ways from and not even realizing it. Mm. Another thing too is, um, yeah, just if for some reason a negative thought pops into your head, think of something positive. You know, what can you be grateful for right now? Or, you know, I'm, I'm working on, I, since the beginning of the year, I've been doing a gratitude journal and just writing two or three things a day that I am grateful for. And the, you know, research says that that can even help sometimes change your brain wiring and connections and so that you're not, you know, continuing down the same path that because sometimes our brains will take shortcuts you know and and this helps to retrain the brain a little bit and and think from a more positive and grateful perspective as opposed to catastrophe (laughs) yes i would like to also extend an invitation to all of you that if you need to talk to somebody um i know we you know lots of we have loved ones and things but if you feel that for some reason that you feel alone or that you have fears or anxieties that you don't know quite what to do with and you just need somebody, you know, to talk to that you need, you know, I, I want to make myself available for that. If, if you want that, 
you can just email us, um, or if there's maybe even an email communication, and we can go back and forth for a little bit. How do they email us? The PYMP at gmail.com. So if you want to, if you want to talk to Stacy, if you want to get in touch with Stacy, maybe through just email co- correspondence or a, a phone call, and, and and maybe I'll be able to jump in too if there's something I can help with. But the email for us is the PYMP. That's the so T H E yeah. the, and then P Y N is a Nancy P at gmail.com. And we are not going to replace your pastor no. or your therapist or your mom. But sometimes you just need a little bit of, of re, re, resetting and recentering yeah. and, and just, just if yeah, I, yeah, figure well, out I, what's yeah, next. We're not, <laughs> I'm not a pastor and I'm not a therapist and, yeah. and they do a great job at what yeah. they do. So definitely, if you have that available to you, mm. I highly recommend that. And But if you're not comfortable with even, you know, you don't have those people in place or you don't, you're not comfortable with this particular concern or something like that, I, I just want to let you know I'm here. One last thing I want to bring up is the power of music. Because that's another thing that is super helpful for folks, uh, especially even you know if you are going through end of life stuff. But also if you're just if you have anxiety or whatever, pay attention to what you're listening to. <laughs> Put on something relaxing and and that's something that offers you comfort. Rather than, I know sometimes misery loves company and we want, if we're sad, we want to put on sad music. Some, but sometimes that can't, that's not exactly helpful. If there is something uplifting that can help, you know, that you put on, maybe even let that, you know, we have a record player that, you know, I think we always appreciate and we sometimes forget that when we put on that record, it sets the mood. Yeah, it the changes whole house, the vibe. You yeah. know? And even remember the, the folks that were quarantined in Italy as they were singing, you yeah, know, out of, out, of out of their balconies. Yeah, they would do music out of their balconies. Music's really important. The yeah. power of music, yes. So if you play music, I encourage you to play it. If you, you know, just listen to it, choose, choose what you're listening to purposefully. Mm. I want to end with this week's reflection on the Tao Te Ching. I started it with a little bit of, you know, sh- sharing a piece of it with you, but I think that the rest of it is also helpful, and it, it happens to actually be a good thing for this particular time. And when Stacy says this week's, as some of you may know, every week Stacy and I have some things that go out to people that support us through Patreon, and for every single week, Stacy is going to be bringing for the foreseeable future a reflection and translation of the Tao Te Ching that is for our times and for anxiety. Every other week, or fortnightly, as they say in the UK, we will have a chapter that goes out for patrons that are studying along with us something that we're going to be picking up next week. That is the Protect Your Noggin with Jesus series, where we're looking at the ways in which Jesus helps us protect ourselves from people that might come in the name of Jesus and not necessarily have our best interest at heart. And one of the reasons why this topic today was important to us is because fear is often the fuel for uh, the demonic, if we mm. could use that literally and or physic- mm-hmm. uh, figuratively. That, 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 that this monstrous thriving off of fear mm-hmm. is what met, makes bad people and emotions continue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we can let go of that fear, if we can move from fear to love, then we can find peace upon peace. The Tao Te Ching, written by Lao Tzu, translated by Jeff and Stacy Mallinson, Chapter 10. Can you balance your mind and body and grasp the unity of everything? Can you soften your breath and become like a sleeping baby? Can you rinse from your eyes 
whatever is clouding your vision? Can you lovingly lead people instead of trying to control them? Can you open and close the door to heaven like a woman giving birth? Can you bring light to others rather than trying to force them to become enlightened? Give birth, suckle, and rear offspring, but do not try to own them. Do something great, but don't brag about it. Cultivate without crushing. Mastering this is profound duh. This chapter really resonates with me. I am an end-of-life doula, otherwise known as a death doula. It's somebody that helps people to live life with their fullest potential so that they also, when the time comes, I help them to die well and die in peace. And an important thing that I've learned is that as a death doula, that you really need to center and ground yourself. You need to understand sort of the whole unity of your mind and body and and, and all of us, we are all in this together. One of my favorite quotes is from Ram Das, and it says, we're all just walking each other home. And that's exactly how I feel as an end-of-life doula. It says, can you soften your breath and become like a sleeping baby? And that's sort of that, you know, sometimes you realize that your shoulders are a little tense. Maybe even now your shoulders are tightening up. And if you just take that big deep breath and relax your shoulders, um, you can be at peace. Like Think of the sleeping baby that is completely just calm and totally at peace and relaxed and in the trusting and loving arms of a, of a caregiver or a mother or parent. And it says, can you rinse from your eyes whatever is clouding your vision? What really helps come to mind for this part is this idea. It's a Buddhist concept of the beginner's mind and it's something I take with me as an end-of-life doula. And that is when you come into a situation, you're seeing everything as if almost like through the eyes of a child. You drop all of your prejudices and your biases about a situation and about people and you just take in a situation for what it is. I also think that when I heard this concept, it really made sense to me when we were told that Jesus says to have faith like a child. Like all of a sudden I had this aha moment of, oh, yeah, so drop all of our own, you know, our whatever our own notions are of what we are supposed to think of with our faith and honestly just have trust and have an open mind and, and, and spirit for when we are taking in the world or reading the scriptures. When it says... Can you lovingly lead people instead of trying to control them? Can you open and close the door to heaven like a woman giving birth? There is a way in which, just like a woman giving birth, a, a, you know, doulas, I don't know if you're familiar with, doulas that help with the birthing process, they come alongside the mother. And part of what helps with the experience of giving birth is when you're willing to let go of control. We so often want to control things and that causes our bodies to tighten and tense up and it makes 
the process far more difficult and it's you just kind of have to let go and you're when you're giving birth your body instinctively knows what to do and the more we fight against it or are in fear of it then that is when it's it becomes you know more difficult and painful and i would say the same thing with death that you know it is natural death is we all eventually will die one day and the more that we live in fear of that or fight against it is when we actually stop living well and the other part where it says can you bring light to others rather than trying to force them to become enlightened you know again when you come alongside people it's not about you what you can do is share the peace the you know the the assurance that you have that you know everything is going to be okay and that we all will get through this together but you can't force somebody to have a certain experience or to be at peace you just have to kind of show the way through your own you know light and and show them the path so it's give birth suckle and rear offspring but don't try to own them each person that comes into this world isn't is their own individual and they deserve respect they deserve to be able to figure out how it is best for them to reach their fullest potential when we try to own people or place our purpose on other people we are harming them because what what we are all here for could be different than what somebody else is and it it is their life journey to figure out you know what what it is that they are here to create and bring to life and and to enjoy and it says do something great but don't brag about it as an end of life doula it is an absolute honor to be able to come alongside somebody and help them through their end of life process but this isn't mine and so there really isn't anything to brag about and so when you when you are doing something when you're creating something beautiful you leave it out there for people to enjoy but you don't need you don't need to boast about what your accomplishments are and it says cultivate without crushing i mean can you really cultivate anything <laughs> is it really cultivating if you are crushing the only way really to cultivate is to give space to offer light and nutrients and to let others shine when you give them some some basics of of what it is to to help them realize what their full potential is this is mastering this is profound duh duh is like it it can be translated like virtue which i think sometimes there's other connotations with that word and so we kept it as duh because i think it it's more important to really learn the concept but it is kind of an inner power there's an integrity to it it's it's like a moral character and so if you can master 
the concepts in this chapter, then there is a beauty and an integrity that you will find and see in life and in others. And it is that that you can draw from and find a very deep peace upon peace. Peace.